Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And today it's a very sad day for Nevada. It's a very sad day for Las Vegas. Uh, but if anything good came out of this is that I saw humanity. I saw our community come together. I saw strangers helping strangers and saving lives. And so I do want to say thank you to the sheriff and to Metro Police. And that's the end of it, apparently. Um, yeah, there's way more good people than bad people. Hell yeah. A lot of the bad people can sure take a lot of us with them, though, when they twist off. Unfortunately, so the current number is 58 dead in Las Vegas, 500 plus, and who knows what the plus is, injured, and those injuries could be, who knows what. So. Yeah, ranging from you know broken bones and 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 you know scrapes and cuts to grievous injuries, and they're clinging to life. We just don't know, uh, but it is clearly you know the worst mass shooting uh, in American history. I I get the sense sometimes the cable people are excited by that because it's big news. I'm just horrified and just disgusted. You know, I don't know the guy's name. Uh, it hasn't gotten into my uh, uh, memory, 
and I'm going to try to keep it that way. I don't want to be able to name him off the top of my head as a trivia question. I don't want that. Now, the only thing, you know, the, the sad and pathetic search for a quote-unquote motive will dominate the cable news, and, and I suggest very strongly that you lose respect for everybody who throws that around without any perspective. Um, it will result almost certainly in completely disappointing and uh, bizarrely mundane gripes and details or what have you. What this guy is notable for is the decision that he gets to kill people. That for whatever reason, his anger is enough or justifies. It's just, it's evil. It's evil. Hurting somebody is evil who doesn't have it coming. Hurting many people who don't have it coming is extra, extra evil. So what this guy, what you need to know about this guy is he's evil and a coward. And the world would have been better off had he never lived. So so it's amazing on some levels that this sort of thing doesn't happen more often than it does, right? I mean, everybody's got enough freedom. I could go out and kill a bunch of people today in a number of different ways. But almost all of us never do that. Right. Because the sort of person that would do that, we, we, we weed out of the herd, right? One way or another. Well, we hope to. We hope to, but we're we're not doing as good a job as we used to, and I'm and I wonder why that is. Well, you know, we talked about this. Was it last hour? Uh, earlier in the show, just the th- what's changed now that this happens uh, with increasing frequency and numbers, and uh, and 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 it's going to be multiple things. It's going to be you know the victimhood culture, the grievance culture. It's going to be. You know, somebody said, somebody emailed us and said, the pressures of globalization have something to do with it. And I thought, well, wait a minute, is that some sort of Steve Bannon economic populist? But I took a quick glance at it, and I need to read the thing, but if your world is your town, the vast majority of your inputs, your perceptions are from your local town, or if you live in a big city, your neighborhood. That's your world to a large extent. And, yeah, there's something going on at the other end of town or the other boroughs of New York or whatever, and you're dimly aware of them, but they don't matter much. And then, you know, as as the world has gotten smaller and smaller, now our towns don't matter nearly as much. And it's just we watch international media, and, 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 and we, as we were discussing earlier, every single horrible thing that happens around the globe gets shoved in front of our faces. And I, I just think... That creates an impersonal relationship with the rest of humanity, especially if, you know, you don't get out and about and touch human beings. I don't mean literally touch, but one to one interactions with human beings. And it's mostly online or watching cable news or whatever. Human beings become less and less human the further they are from you in your day to day existence. And I think that may be a factor, too. I've read a lot, you know, recently the book on killing and we can have a link to it if you want, but it's it's. One of the most thought-provoking things I've ever read, but it talks about, and, and it's mostly about training people to kill in war, but human beings have an aversion to killing. And the more human the other person seems, the more difficult it is to kill them. If you come across a Viet Cong in the jungle and he's pointing gun at you, it's a lot easier to shoot him than if you come across him and he's quietly eating his lunch. There are many, many documented cases. People saw that, they couldn't kill him because he was so obviously human. But the more distant we get from the rest of humanity, or any humanity, I think, the easier it is to kill them. 
Yeah, so if that's the case, and I certainly could believe that that's maybe the overarching factor in all this sort of stuff, what would what would we do to combat that as a society, as a culture, as a species, since well, we're killing ourselves off? What, what would we do to combat that? Well, it's really hard to do. You'd have to bang the drum constantly. You know, it's like uh, an anti-drunk driving campaign, which has been famously successful, or anti-domestic violence campaign. And a campaign has got to be interacting with humanity only through electronics is going to make you sick. Go out and spend time with real human beings. It's important to our mental health. Yeah. Yeah, social media is socializing placebo. It, it gives you the feeling of, oh, people are liking my post. Oh, I saw the pictures my friends posted. I am connected with people, not just locally, but all over the world. But there's there's something missing about eye contact, about hearing another person's voice in a conversation, right. about having the, the 90% of communication that isn't verbal, that isn't text-based. That not is to actually- mention the neurochemical stuff of just being in proximity to other human mm-hmm. beings and feel like we're the same. I don't doubt any of that stuff. In fact, I'm sure it's true, but we don't know that this guy had any social media life at all, so I don't know if that could be his thing. Well, right, and and no one thing is going to cover every shooter and every murderous coward. Um, But I have no doubt, and, you know, Sean, to your point, I've been saying this for years and years, an actual human relationship is a nourishing meal. A lot of social media is a belly full of candy, and you feel full but you haven't gotten the nutrients you need. I wish you hadn't said that. My wife's birthday yesterday, too much pie, too much cake. So the delicious cannoli that the really nice lady brought us, Judy and I were talking about that. You're like completely off the sugar and then took in an enormous amount. You think that's what you mean? I'll bet that was it. I felt awful for like three hours. Three hours after eating that dessert. But nobody else did, as far as we could tell. I don't know if anybody else ate it. You're smarter than one. me. You did? You yeah. felt okay? It was, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't think foul play was afoot. I think it was just probably a, <laughs> it's a just sugar rich. overload. Yeah. Yeah. It's just oh, rich. I thought I was going to die. Um, hey, so we're getting this comment a lot. I've noticed this since I got up this morning, or we're not getting this con- comment a lot, but it's floating around on social media. How come this isn't terrorism? This is clearly terrorism. Somebody just t- actually texted us. This is the definition of terrorism. I, I, I think it's absolutely not the definition of terrorism. No. Is there a specific political motive? Well, then maybe, and generally, and I, quote-unquote, terrorism has to do with an organized ideology. To, per, to further a political objective. Right, to fur, specifically to terrorize or cow a population into doing or not doing something political. How, hey, texter, you know, listen, these are troubled times. I don't need to be yelling at you, but you're full of crap. <laughs> You know, you know when people talk about how everybody, you, you know how everybody's talking these days. Maybe you've heard this about uh, always, uh, you know, frequently wrong, never in doubt. How everybody's certain on the internet. How it, we're talking about you. You're that person. That did pivot quickly, Sean. Um, Joe's sorry. He's a Christian man. Um, no, I'm, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Uh, you know, I assume the, the, the where I see this on social media, this is people saying, hey, you call it every time a rando who's a Muslim shoots up a place you call it terrorism. Why aren't you calling this terrorism? But, well, you just explained it. So, Right. Hope you learned something there. Now, if we find out later today he killed all these people because he thinks they're Trump supporters or Bernie supporters or whatever he thought, well, then perhaps it is. But we don't have any information of that kind yet.
So there's uh, a contractor that furnishes musical instruments to various school systems and got a bunch of colorful flutes for the fifth graders in Orange County. And somehow or the other, the authorities, and it's not clear how or why, uh, believe that those flutes may be uh, contaminated with a certain reproductive juice. I don't want to hear that. Why are you telling me this? It's a sick and Parents deserve to know. Are their kids at risk? I suppose we should at some point talk about some of Trump's tweets over the weekend. Oh, yeah. Where we God. found out we got a back-channel communication with North Korea, and then Trump came out and tweeted, ah, it's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> or the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico, said, hey, we're not getting aid fast enough, and Trump said, you suck. Yeah. Oi. Why don't you help yourself? Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I always wait for the grunt, because I really like the grunt. I think he got punched right in the stomach. Eddie probably punched him. (laughs) Stop tossing your hair. (laughs) Um, It's amazing how many of the reporters I've heard on the horrifying shooting were in Vegas because they were there to cover the O.J. Simpson thing. Mm -hmm. Because we just can't get enough O.J. Simpson information. But I... um, before I left the house today, I put the ch- the TV on a channel where I knew no news could come on in case the kids turned on the TV, because I don't want them to accidentally come across this, because, you know, there's some gruesome videos being shown. My kids, of course, who are probably first thing they're going to do this morning is put on their new ninja costumes they got, because they got their Halloween costumes yes. ready. And I was uh, originally kind of against getting the Halloween costumes a full month early because mm. I thought, well, for one thing, if you if you've ever done the little kid thing, they change their mind like nine times in the last week what they want to be. But right, well, um, it's because it's so important a decision. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to come to a snap decision, or you find out your best friend's already going to be that, or you want to be what they are, or somebody you don't like. You know, it's difficult. Or you hear your favorite, the the cutest girl in your class says, "You know what I think is cooler than blank," and they oh yeah. That could happen, too. But I was afraid they'd burn out on them, but I'm glad we got them early. They are lo- the, first of all, these ninja costumes, got them at Target. Freaking better than anything that ever existed when I was a kid. I mean, mm. they're awesome. They look like real ninja costumes, like straight out of a movie. They're pretty hard to put on, but they're so cool. And they're dressing up in their full ninja garb with their little plastic nunchucks and sneaking around the house. I'd, I'd be walking around the house, I'd get in my coffee, and I'd just see something scurry behind me or go around right. the wall. Exactly. Yeah. Cons- just a paper just floating in the wind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. was, that some, was that somebody behind you? Crawling behind the couch and everything like that. Really, really enjoying that. All of a sudden, that. the candle just goes out. Yep. <laughs> a lot of that sort of thing. <laughs> Nice. I don't even know what a ninja is. I don't know these uh, kids with their costumes now. After when I was a kid, there was an ill-fitting Casper the Friendly Ghost costume you tied in the back and a mask you couldn't see out of. And it was all highly flammable. <laughs> that was when American children were tough. <laughs> You'd walk I'm, within a block of an open flame and burst into flames. I was, I, I guess, technically... A ninja on more than one Halloween. One of them was your your typical ninja. One time I was a ninja turtle, <laughs> um, but I still think that qualifies. Sure, still a ninja. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, that, that's good stuff. There was something just said about a kid about the what do you, they can go secretly wherever they want. Yeah. It was fascinating. Sneaking so, around very quietly. Both ninjas, though, mm-hmm. interesting. And then they were on the trampoline in their ninja costumes, practicing their flips, and then they come up, pa pa, can do a couple of punches. Oh my god! <laughs> do a flip, land, ha! 
<laughs> so are they generally right. in league with each other, or oh, yeah, do they yeah, oppose each other? No, they're a part of a ninja team. Oh, I see. That's yeah, good. Exactly. That's good. They're, apparently, they're spying on me for some reason. Well, the dope. oppressor. And I constantly have to do, what was that? thought I saw something. No. <laughs> where are the kids? Are they outside? Laura, have you seen the kids? I don't know where they are. <laughs> they're on the floor behind me, crouched down, giggling. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. loving it. Toughest part of ninja training, learning how to not giggle. You know, Sean, I don't appreciate you being a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle because, I mean, if you were to find a mutant turtle and teach it the art of the ninja, you would at least wait until it was an adult before you allowed it to ply its trade. The yeah. idea that, by the law, children would be allowed to, you know, Kick it ninja style, disgusting to me. Halloween's as big as Christmas now in terms of the store space it takes up. That's because the devil is as big as Jesus now, Jack. <laughs> well, in America. Well, there you go. Uh, it is. It takes up as much space at the Target now as Christmas does. It's so huge. Decorations yeah. for the house, costumes for the adults, which didn't exist years ago, just didn't exist. No adult was dressing up. Unless you're a school teacher or something like that. The oh, idea right. of dressing up as an adult just didn't exist. Or a librarian. Did we actually do that on the air? That 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 idiot, ideological, jackass Massachusetts librarian who rejected the Dr. Seuss books from Melania Trump because they were racist? That the previous year she dressed up as the cat in the hat. Right. And read Dr. Seuss to the kids. Because right. she she's got a woke. racist. She's woke now. Or she Or Trump. she's an idiot. She hates Trump, and she had to come yeah. up with something. Hey, did you read about the Nobel Prize uh, for yes. uh, physiology or medicine? They're not sure which it is. <laughs> uh, three Americans. Yes. Yeah. Uh, take that. Suck of that, world. Two of them with a beard. One of them with a wacky hat. Looks a little like Bob Dylan. But they were, they've, they've done unbelievable work on the molecular mechanisms that control our body rhythms. Our circadian rhythms? Exactly. You're, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to sleep at night. Sounds like the beginning of a blues song or something, but, um, they've, uh, elucidated, which is a word I should use much more often, how our inner clock can fluctuate to optimize our behavior and our physiology. The discoveries explain how plants, animals, and humans adapt their biological rhythms so it's synchronized with the Earth's revolutions. They worked with the fruit fly, the humble fruit fly, and uh, and and they've identified three genes that I where is that? It's down there somewhere. Uh, but there are three genes that like uh, balance each other and, and argue with each other and arm wrestle for control. And uh, they say uh, your circadian system is ticking away in almost every tissue in the human body. It's also in plants, including major food crops, uh, appears to be tied to disease susceptibility, growth rate, fruit size, etc. Um, they've been at this since 1984. So what, what I was wondering about, and I don't know if this is in their study or not, is, and I don't doubt that we have some sort of internal biological clock thing going but I have heard about you interrupt it, like if you live a different lifestyle or whatever, you throw it out of whack. Does it get back in whack on its own, or do you have to... Put it back in whack somehow. Well, like if you get up too early or stay up too late or whatever. Or like get up, you know, at 6, then 10, then noon, then 3 a.m. Then, yeah, you'll you'll be really messed up. You'll constantly be jet lagged. But so, yeah, you have to establish some sort of uh, pattern. Uh, your body knows what it wants to do, but we use alarms and caffeine mm-hmm. and whatever else to screw with it. But I, I don't know if I comprehend this. I don't know if you'll comprehend this. 
I comprehend this better than when they release the Nobel Prize for Physics oh, later please. in the week and no. talk about a quark or something. And no. I have no idea what they're talking about. No. You could have Albert Einstein, you know, uh, who's a great uh, like communicator? Ken Burns. Alex Baldwin. Alex Baldwin and a kindergarten teacher all team up. All right, here's our strategy. Here's how we get them to comprehend this. And you'd be wasting your time with that stuff. I've tried like crazy. I've read even like the pop books of string theory and your your uh, your hawking books and all that. Forget it. Forget it. It's wasted on me. It's a shame, but it is. Since we're talking science, did you see 60 Minutes last night about the Hubble telescope? Did I see that not. part. That was really interesting. Here's something that blew my mind. I told my wife last night, and she went, Phew. "Wow, she blown my mind." Super. I'll have to watch that. So the Hubble telescope um, is out there in space, right? And so it can see all kinds of stuff that we can't see because it doesn't have the atmosphere in its way. So they claim. I think it's on a sound stage in Houston. Because <laughs> claiming that makes me feel smart. So when you look at the Big Dipper, right in the little craw there, the Big Dipper is just nothing but black. So they showed what the Hubble telescope sees in that little area of black above the Big Dipper. Look at the craw. And it saw, and they put the pictures on last night. Some of the pictures are just like the most spectacular art you've ever seen of various things happening in in the universe. Um, But this showed a little area that had, I think they said, 100,000 galaxies in it. So each, each one of these dots... One of these light dots of different colors was a galaxy, and there was like a hundred thousand just in this little area. Oh, it's, it's, and, it's, it's, you got to slow down. My skull can't take it. I know. And so each galaxy, because we we live in the the galaxy that is the Milky Way, right? Not we're not just talking about our solar system, because in each galaxy, I think the whole solar system's on a sound stage in Houston. Each galaxy <laughs> has anywhere from a few hundred million stars with its own planets going around it. To 100 trillion stars. So each one of those galaxies, all those thousand millions of dots, that might have a trillion stars going around it. Which then might have, who knows, 50,000, 100,000, a million planets. Who are, you know, whoever, how many planets. Right. Yeah, so it's just an unimaginable amount of uh, celestial bodies out there. And the the idea that we're the only one that somehow accidentally got life, of course, just, it, it you know, it, it goes against... Logic, I think. Sure. And, yeah, I would um, agree. They believe there are as many stars as there are grains of sand on planet Earth. It's like watching the Oscars. <laughs> All the beaches of uh, the entire Earth, every grain of sand, that's how many stars there are out there. And each wow. one of that's got its own planets going around. Wow. So, so who knows what's going on in the universe? Wow. So just pick up a single handful of sand, and that's an unimaginable number of stars. Sure. Yeah, but boggles the mind. It does. So it really does. Think about that as you're sleeping tonight because of your circadian rhythms. Getting back to that story briefly. And again, this is if this was physics, it'd be wasting on me. I think I get this. Back in the 80s, when they started, they isolated what they called the period gene, which controls the circadian rhythms of fruit flies who are very, they're very into their habits. You, you tell a fruit, fruit fly, let's go out for lunch. He says, no, I'm working out. He won't change his schedule. They then showed that the level of the protein encoded by this gene changed it in a 24-hour cycle uh, up and down during the day and night. They've theorized that this protein blocked the activity of the period gene, et cetera, et cetera. 
But to have this effect, the protein had to reach the genetic material in the cell nucleus. They couldn't figure out how it got there until in the 90s they discovered a second clock gene known as timeless. I don't know why they have to make it sound like a perfume, all these genes, but they do. The timeless bound the protein to the gene period that entered the cell nucleus. Then finally, more recently, they identified a third gene double time, which appeared to control the frequency of the oscillations of these genes and their proteins over a 24-hour period. So the three of them, they think, working together controls your, your body rhythms. Yours, your pets, your insects, plants, whatever. But pets, all other animals but us, are smart enough to, to, to not fight nature. We fight it all, all day long. I'm doing it right now. I'm drinking coffee. Right. Right. Wow. They, they're studying whether the, the timing of, like, for instance, insect bites impact our ability to fight off diseases that they want to give us, like, you know, dengue fever or Lyme disease. And because our immune system is influenced by those rhythms, too, which can alter our ability to fight infections. They're trying to get a grasp on that mm. now. I can't even imagine how many tangential fields will leap from this. They talk about uh, blood pressure and body temperature, uh, organ function, liver function, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this might, you know, lead to God knows what as they try to influence those things. So I got two texts for you before I uh, get to Marshall. I do now, love the texts. I'm not going to explain these because it would take too long. Okay. One's for political junkies. One is for longtime listeners of the show. Most of you aren't going to get either one of these texts. Okay. So is that telescope made by Chelsea Clinton's dad? That's for political junkies. <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> oh, I get it. Well, take me a second. <laughs> and so Jack won't need last-minute Halloween costumes this year. <laughs> oh, boy. So both but of those somebody are... in the audience might. <laughs> those are for longtime listeners or political junk- junkies. Other than that, just let them go. Uh, what's coming up in news, Marshall Phillips? The uh, situation in Vegas changing by the hour after the worst mass shooting in U.S. history. We've got Hillary Clinton weighing in now, taking aim at the NRA. Oh, that'll help. And an amazing breakthrough in treating spinal cord injuries. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Brian Williams is on the scene for MSNBC now. As I saw the shots raining down on me, I think I'm on, Brian. I was in the first row of the concert when the shots rang out. Go ahead, Brian. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, you hate to wake up to horrifying stories that give you an even dimmer view of humanity. You shouldn't shouldn't let that happen. I shouldn't let that happen. One awful human being doesn't mean anything different about humanity. Boy, it's scary, though. Uh, You know, you're right. You're right. But people just go into a rock and roll show, country show, whatever. I mean, just in Las Vegas, for God's sake. Just people doing normal wholesome, fine, fun things. And this just is horrible. What new barriers to this happening will come out of this? You know, those those various people driving trucks into crowds. Now there's a cement barrier in front of any crowd, practically anywhere you go. What are they going to do about this? No festivals near tall buildings? or I can't even imagine. Let's get the news now of Marsha Phillips. Well, uh, Las Vegas police are now saying at least 58 people are dead, more than 500 wounded in the wake of the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. 
Last night, an armed man on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay in Casino machine gunned a packed crowd of people at a country music festival down below. Hours after the attack was brought to an end, the Vegas police released some audio of the team that found the gunman's room. Breach, breach, breach. One suspect down in 135, 432, Mandalay Bay. I have the floor. Authorities say a 64-year-old man had killed himself after the shooting when they apparently were getting ready to break in. And a representative of the FBI says so far there's no connection between last night's shooting in Vegas and international terrorism. ISIS was trying to claim responsibility for the attack, saying the shooter had converted to Islam. The shooter's brother says that's news to him. There's no political, there's no religious, there's no any of that stuff. But what's the point of asking that? He didn't know his brother had machine guns, for instance. So there's a lot of things you might not know about your brother. Yeah, right? Ta- he, if you don't know your brother has machine guns, you could right. not know all kinds of things. Sure, Talk, of course. Talking about the guns, the brother was telling a reporter. He was... Did you know him to have guns? Was he an avid shooter? I mean, no, you know, not that that... Not but... an avid gun guy at all. The fact that he had those kind of weapons is just... Where the hell did he get automatic weapons? He's not, he has no military background or anything like that. You, I mean, when you find out about him, like I said, he's just a, he's a guy who lived in a house in Mesquite and drove down and gambled in Las Vegas. He's not an avid gun guy, except he owns machine guns and apparently knows how to use them pretty well. And didn't tell his brother. Yeah, so, yeah. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton's taking aim at the NRA after the shooting in Vegas. Clinton calling on lawmakers to put politics inside and stand up to the NRA. That's putting politics aside? She tweeted, the crowd fled at the sound of gunshots. Imagine the deaths if the shooter had a silencer, which the NRA wants to make it easier to get. I guess that's being voted on this week. That's why she mentioned it. Yeah. Clinton saying the country's grieving with the victims, but grief is not enough. We must work together to stop this from happening again. End of quote, end of tweet. Got an amazing breakthrough in treating spinal cord injuries. The San Francisco Chronicle reporting four out of six paralyzed patients who had 10 million stem cells transplanted into their spinal cords have shown striking improvement a year after treatment. Wow. They had the increased ability to move their arms and uh, and uh, hands and to carry out basic functions like feeding and bathing themselves. Wow. All six of the patients were part of clinical trials carried out by Asterios Biotherapeutics. That's a company in the San Francisco Bay Area. All six reported some recovery after the stem cell transplant. Again, this trial is among the first to use embryonic uh, stem cells in human subjects. Too soon to know for sure that the stem cells were completely responsible for the patient's improvement. Stem cells, though, showing the ability to help the body repair itself naturally. So there's a lot of excitement about yeah, the effects. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. I keep seeing a shot of the hotel. They have a, what looks just like a, a, a blanket hanging over the window that the guy was shooting out of. He clearly busted out the window before he started shooting people. And, uh, well, I suppose it's quite the crime scene they're investigating. That'll be a tourist attraction for some time to come in a macabre way. Well, people go to Dallas and... Yeah. I've done it. Sure, the book depository. Yeah. 
What is uh, what are the good people who run that casino going to do in the hotel? I mean, that's the least of our worries, but you got to shut down that room, don't you? Oh, just clean it up and start the renting out floor. I mean, what? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, text line four one five two nine five KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So Harrison Ford took a break between crashing airplanes to film a new Blade Runners movie. I see. Oh, that's exciting. And uh, boy, the reviews for it are amazing. People are going crazy with it, mm. aren't they, Jean? It's got some. It's got some good buzz. I was concerned. God, I'd say I, I was concerned for a little while because normally you hear the buzz earlier than you started hearing for it. So it made me worried that this was actually going to be an old stinkeroony. But uh, but no, I, I, this I'm excited to see this one. I, it's got some good actors in it. It seems to be uh, yeah. Seems, oh yeah, there's seems a, there's a, a lot of, the... of uh, best movie of the year. Wow, uh, simple perfection, that sort of stuff. Wow. So. Yeah, I get the sense a lot, like well, the Mad Max movie several years ago, that this movie is just really embracing kind of what it is. It'll probably be one of the ones that cracks into the top ten, but won't be taken that seriously. But I haven't seen it yet. So finally, we'll a movie that embraces what it is. <laughs> I saw Blade Runner originally. I didn't, what the hell? I didn't like it or get it, so. I loved it. Yeah, I know most it's people did. It's science fiction. Is that what it is? Because I don't get science fiction. Well, yes. Yeah, that's yes, a problem. Yes, it is. I just, I didn't, I, it's the future, Jack. Yeah, I don't like that. How old is Harrison Ford now? 95. Uh, I believe he's 88. I don't know. He's 70-something. He's old. Uh, so this is weird. Can he's we talk- also dead in Star Wars. Spoiler alert. We're talking about... He's 75 in real life. We're talking about the weirdness of all human beings, including murderous scumbags, and what's going on in social media and what role that plays and everything like that. What about this interesting personality type? So shooting happens in Las Vegas last night. Somebody somebody puts out a picture of this guy holding a gun, and it ends up being breaking news. Somebody picked it up and ran with it. Breaking news, shooter identified as 32-year-old Islam convert Samir al-Hahid, and this particular guy. Somebody else who follows the news was smart enough to say, hey, that's the same guy they claimed was the shooter originally when San Bernardino happened. It's happened a couple of times. So somebody, every time there's a mass shooting puts out this same dude as a picture. It's actually a comedian named Sam Hyde who has been falsely accused in the aftermath of several other attacks. What the hell? It remains unclear why social media users repeatedly circulate his photo after mass shootings and and get it out there as the shooter. (laughs) And are amused by that? Or or is it laziness? And they... It's the sort of person who wants to make up something and saw that picture that's inexplicable. I have a kind of a long con explanation or, or theory is probably a better term because it's not an explanation. There's no proof of this. But I see this happen a lot with accounts where suddenly they will pivot. I think people get accounts. They do what they can to inflate their follower numbers, and then they sell it off to somebody who just wants it, an account with a lot of followers. And so all of a sudden, a, a Twitter account can just pivot. It can change its name. It can change its header. But, but it's why still does keep- the new person want to do that? Why does the new person do what we're describing? Oh, I think these are account farms that they know that one way to get a lot of attention, likes, retweets, followers, oh, trends. So you're making so this is, yeah. You're trying to jump onto these these news of the day account farms. Okay, yes. well maybe that's what this is because this is even weirder than claiming you know who the shooter is because at least that's got some excitement around it. This is. Uh, a Twitter user reported his nephew was missing and in, in, in the Mandalay Bay didn't have his cell phone. Please circulate this. I'm looking for him. Got circulated a gazillion times and somebody realized this is the same picture that you've circulated before for claiming somebody else was missing for something else. It's the same photo. And um, 
the the Twitter the Twitter account holder shared an image supposedly of their missing 15 year old son asking for help. It was shared 4,000 times before the account was suspended. People figured out that that was the same picture used multiple other times in other various disasters or crises, claiming that their nephew was missing. So that's got to be that's almost got to be what you're saying, it, it, unless you've got some sort of serious, weird psychological need for attention. Yeah, and it's it's very difficult for an average person who's not devoting their life to following Twitter to be able to decipher those accounts well, from sure. actual accounts. And Just, you think you're doing a nice point. thing sure. by yeah. retweeting a missing nephew. Okay. Wow, that's just mind-blowing. Okay. Account farm. Again, that, that, that's just a working theory of mine. I've seen it happen to... How, how many followers you need to have to make it worth selling? We'll sell our followers for putting away on it. Don't yeah, screw it. But <laughs> we're there'll, out. There'll be certain accounts that I follow that started off as, hey, quirky comic book facts account, and then all of a sudden they're now now we're nature picks account sort of thing. Like... So there is kind of a juggling of those sort of things. Wow. I don't. Oh yeah, this is just a theory. I don't really have a, a ton of evidence for it. Well, that but. makes more sense than they're just weirdos. Yeah, because that'd be a weird thing to do. Every time there's a horrifying something or other, you put out the same picture. Hey, look for my nephew. He's missing. Although there, there, you know, there's people that claim their kids sick when they're not to get attention. There's all kinds of people that do weird things. Speaking of uh, weirdly spent lives, Jack, finally the world is coming along to your way of thinking from last week, the passing of the great revolutionary American hero and publisher Hugh Hefner. Here's one op-ed from the New York Times. Hugh Hefner, gone to his reward at age 91, was a pornographer and chauvinist who got rich on masturbation, consumerism, and the exploitation of women. Aged into a leering grotesque in a captain's hat and died a pack rat in a decaying manse where porn blared during his pathetic orgies. The grinning pimp of the sexual revolution father of smut addictions, eating disorders, abortions, and divorce and syphilis, a pretentious huckster who published Updike stories no one read while doing flesh (laughs) procurement for celebrities. I read them. I read many a John Updike story in Playboy magazine. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? (laughs) More on that tomorrow. Let's hear our guest announcer. Oh, wait. Hold on. If I turn it on, that helps. There we go. And now, Sleeve Boy presents Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. Sleeve Boy. That's another one Production for the... values were a little iffy. <laughs> yes. Another one for the longtime listener. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Sleeve Boy, get a final thought for me. I've been too busy. Let's get a final thought from everybody. It's Marshall Phillips. Marsh. I just want to very quickly warn everybody out there, watch out for hashtag Marshall's Hernia. It is not an officially sponsored <laughs> hashtag by myself. I like the new one, uh, Jack's Earring, as its own account, too. <laughs> Michelangelo, your final thought. Uh, today's a good day to, rem- to remind yourself there's a lot more good people than bad and maybe do an act of kindness for a stranger today thank you michael that's beautiful we should mention the jack's earring thing comes from a picture from 1992 that we tweeted uh, if you're not following us on the tweeter yet do it uh positive sean final thought yeah to to paraphrase paraphrase the fantastic fred rogers in these situations when there's horrifying things on the tv look for the helpers there will always be people willing to help Jack, your final thought. It is guaranteed that if we find out what the motivation of this crazy man was, it'll be incredibly disappointing. Not that there could be a good motivation, but it's going to be something incredibly mundane. Mad at his wife, the IRS, something like that. It's just awful. It's just somebody who wants to take a lot of human beings down with them. It's going to be mundane and stupid. Life goes on, my friends. Another Armstrong and Getty show tomorrow. Surely a little more cheery. 
Yeah, but uh, people have had time to settle down and start getting into the gun control argument, the mental health argument, the this, that. Yeah, Trump well, it's creating an evil atmosphere all argument. Right. Yeah, well, it's our show. We'll decide what's on it tomorrow. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. I saw humanity. I saw our community come together. I saw strangers helping strangers and saving lives. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.